Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. It is August. We turn the page and, wow, seems like we've been, even when you know it's coming, all of a sudden when you hit that new month, it uh, kind of jumps out at you. And here we are into August and we're ready to go on some key issues that we'll have updates on today. We're going to be talking about what's going on, some things happening with uh, the RFS, some more legal action, so we will uh, get the latest on that. Also going to be talking about a potential processing bottleneck. Um, This could really affect pork and poultry processing, the immigration issue, the labor issue, a lot of things happening, and we'll get the very latest on that. Also, we're going to get a Washington update today from uh, Senator Jerry Moran. Kansas Senator Jerry Moran will join us. He's had some thoughts on the uh, Trump administration's trade policies. Also, want to talk about some appropriations bills, things like that, that he's very involved in. And we're also going to talk with former Secretary of Agriculture Mike Johans, former Senator Mike Johans as well. I want to get his thoughts on on what's going on with trade and the aid package uh, proposed by the administration. So we have lots to talk about on our program today. I want to get the, the latest on the farm bill, and we will have more on this tomorrow. But uh, the latest is the Senate has moved to conference the farm bill by a voice vote last night. A lot of negotiation went on over the last minute and over the last several days, as we've been talking about. Now, next will be the announcement of Senate conferees, and um, Senate Ag Committee Chair Pat Roberts said yesterday that nine senators will serve on the panel, broken down into five Republicans, four Democrats, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he would like to see a Farm Bill conference report ready after Labor Day. That would give lawmakers just over a month to finalize the deal, and there's a lot of work left to uh, to be done so tomorrow we'll get more on that but uh, they're moving slowly and uh, we're trying to uh, you know as we we keep an eye on this see how they work through the differences on the senate side and then they have big differences work out between the senate and the house uh, chairman roberts and ranking member stavenow um, you know when they heard about Senate Majority Leader McConnell's uh, timeline for being aggressive uh, and getting this done right away. Uh, Robert said, duly noted, uh, but uh, says we're going to get it done as quickly as we can. Stabenow saying that as well. So um, they've kind of been told by the Senate Majority Leader, we're going to get this done in a hurry. And uh, they're kind of, it sounds like they're wondering if they can get it done that quickly, but uh, we will see. So hopefully that's going to be moving forward here very, very soon. Also, uh, want to keep an eye on what's going on with trade, and uh, obviously the tone of the, what we're hearing from the talks with China, not as positive. The markets got excited just when the U.S. and, and Chinese leaders were going to talk. That seemed to be a good sign, and then now, uh, now you know, some of the things we're hearing, not as positive. So uh, now everything kind of more of a you know more of a, a cloud hanging over that so that's what happens when you get all excited about just uh, the possibility of it you know something getting worked out and then when those talks don't go as uh, as hoped then that uh, kind of 
puts a negative tone back on things as well. So we'll keep a close watch on that, see if there are any breakthroughs. We're still watching what's going on with, uh, with NAFTA. Um, U.S.-Japan trade talks will be coming to Washington, D.C. this month. That'll be the first round of high-level U.S.-Japanese talks aimed at uh, trying to get uh, uh, more trade between the two countries. And those talks will begin on August 9th. Um, the president and U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer have been uh, concerned about the, the deficit with Japan. So uh, we'll see how those uh, talks play out as well. That's, a, that's obviously a key market uh, to keep an eye on there. So there'll be more trade talks. Japan will be back in the news more in uh, the days to come. So a lot going on with with trade, and uh, we uh, will try to keep you updated uh, as best we can on uh, on all these issues. So lots going on right now. Coming up, uh, as I mentioned a little bit later, we're going to talk with um, Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas. want to get his thoughts on these trade issues. Uh, Congress has had a lot to say about uh, members, certain members of Congress have had a lot to say about the administration's trade policies. And we just, uh, you know, we wonder how much will actually get done in Congress to, to step in on some of these things. want to get Senator Moran's thoughts on that. And very interesting perspective coming up as well from former Senator, former Secretary of Agriculture, uh, Mike Johans, um, having been in these key spots, both in the with an administration as head of USDA and in the U.S. Senate, uh, he'll have interesting perspective for us on how um, he sees some of this playing out and the impact uh, it could have um, moving forward with with trade policy. Also want to mention that coming up, of course, we've been talking about the, the Farm Progress Show that will be coming up August 28th, 29th, and 30th. That will be in Boone, Iowa. We'll be broadcasting all three days from this year's Farm Progress Show, and we'll let you know where we're going to be each of those days. And um, we will uh, hopefully see some of you at the Farm Progress Show. You know, it's also getting into State Fair time, and just wanted to let you know we're going to be broadcasting from the Missouri State Fair on Monday the 13th of this month. We'll be broadcasting from the uh, Farm Bureau building uh, there on the fairgrounds in Sedalia, Missouri. So it's that time of year. It's been a busy county fair season. Some county fair is still going on. And now uh, we're headed into state fair time of year as well. Interesting time because the House is on their August recess. That means a lot of those House members are back home going to events such as county and state fairs and a chance uh, for uh, folks to really talk with their members of Congress about some of these issues that uh, we have brought up such as trade and farm bill and the RFS and some of these issues as well. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, this is an issue that um, we need to be kind of really keeping a close eye on looking on down the line. That is a potential processing bottleneck. This could really affect um, especially the pork and poultry industries. We've got some labor issues, obviously, as we continue to try to work through uh, immigration issues in this country. But um, if we're, we seem to always be kind of stretched anyway into the limit on processing capacity, just having the plants to handle uh, all the, the meat we're producing. But what about uh, do we have the people to work in those plants? That's going to be another key issue. And we could be looking at a very serious situation down the road and that is a processing a processing bottleneck 
And coming up next, we're going to talk with an animal protein analyst with Bravo Research. Christine McCracken will join us and talk about how labor challenges in the meat processing industry uh, could impact livestock producers as we have been increasing production. But do we have the... Um, the processing capacity, and the people to work in those facilities to handle it. And what happens if we have a major bottleneck, which could, some are saying, could occur this fall. What will happen then? What will be the uh, impact of that? We're going to talk about that with uh, Robo Research. That's coming up next. So lots to talk about, lots going on. Thanks for joining us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Are we headed to a processing bottleneck? And if so, how soon and what impact would that have on the livestock industry? Let's talk about it with Christine McCracken, Animal Protein Analyst with Rabo Research. Christine, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Are we headed towards a processing bottleneck? Well, it's probably too soon to call. Uh, you know, it, clearly there's a lot of pigs coming to market this fall that uh, all need to be processed, and there's uh, clearly uh, a lot of capacity out there. The question at this point seems to be whether or not we have the workers uh, to run those plants efficiently and in a manner that can move those pigs through the plant uh, on a timely basis. Okay, so that's interesting there because... We have always seemingly been pushed to the limit, or in recent years, on having just the capacity, the processing capacity. Do we have now enough plants uh, to handle the uh, the capacity that's with this increased production that we have? Yeah, you know, I think we do. Um, you know, there's been four new plants that have been added just in the last year, and another one in the works that's uh, going to be open here before the end of the year. So we're confident that there is the capacity to to uh, process this big number of pigs that we have. Um, The the question is, you know, again, whether or not uh, we're going to get there based on uh, the number of workers that that are uh, available to those plants. Okay, so that brings us back to the ag labor, to the immigration issue again then, right? Yeah, to some extent. I think, you know, part of it is immigration and part of it is, you know, the historically low unemployment uh, rates, and especially in some of these areas where the plants are located, uh, you know, even lower than the national average. So I think really it's more about labor availability in those rural areas, uh, you know, generally than it is entirely about the immigration policies. I think, you know, those ICE raids that we've had here over the last couple of months certainly don't help. but it really is kind of a combination of all of those factors that are that are making it tough to find enough workers in some of those plants. Now we've seen over the years those plants attract workers, many of them from other countries, uh, into communities. Are you saying it's harder and harder to attract uh, workers uh, into those uh, plants and into those areas of rural America? I, you know, I. I think it is. Uh, it's it's been increasingly difficult over the past few years, especially as a lot of those immigrant communities or, or those immigrants generally have been looking for other types of work. Um, you know, it's a tough job working in a plant, uh, not unlike uh, other jobs in the industry. But I, I think it's particularly hard. And at the same time, we've added, you know, with all of these new plants, so many new jobs. So. It makes it very difficult to get enough immigrants uh, to move to the community. Um, 
especially when some of these plants are competing with each other for that same immigrant pool. We're talking with Christine McCracken, the animal protein analyst with Rabo Research. Now, are we talking about uh, basically pork and poultry processing? Is that what the areas will be hardest hit? Yeah, you know, the pork industry is the one that's seeing the biggest bottleneck here this fall. Um, you know, we've had so much new capacity come online, and it's critically important that we run those plants uh, at full capacity. Those pigs are on the ground and need to be uh, put through that system. Um, the poultry industry is one where they're having the same kinds of challenges, but that's an industry where a lot of the new capacity won't be online until 2019. Uh but, you know, that raises a whole new set of issues because some of those plants are going to compete directly with the poultry plants uh, for that, that shrinking supply of workers. So it, it's set to get even worse in 2019. Okay, so if that bottleneck occurs, and it sounds like you feel it's going to, what's the impact and what happens when that occurs? Well, I think, you know, it's still up in the air whether or not uh, the industry is able to get those workers. I'm not saying definitively that they won't be able to run the plants. What I would say is that it's going to cost a lot more, right? They've, they're going to have to raise wages in order to attract enough workers um, to the plants. But if there were, in fact, a bottleneck and, and you couldn't get pigs through um, efficiently, obviously there'd be a, a slowdown in, in processing. Weights would rise. That put even more pork on the market, which obviously isn't going to help in the current environment. Um, and eventually those pigs will get through, but there'll be quite a bit of pressure on, additional pressure on markets that might not be anticipated uh, by the current strip today. Yeah, we're already concerned about a slowdown with the uh, trade issues with China and, and other places uh, uh, slowing down our exports. This would just make things even worse then. Yeah, it's, it's certainly something that I don't think is being talked about enough. Clearly trade has had a huge impact uh, on the per, you know perceived demand for pork, and you know China is effectively closed. Mexico, we're actually still shipping product uh, fairly well into Mexico, but at a big discount. So you know I think that that's clearly hurting uh, the demand picture for pork. Um, but you know really we have to think about that huge number of pigs that are coming, especially in the fourth quarter, and whether or not we're going to have enough capacity to to process them. From a labor perspective, we'll have the plants. <laughs> right. And, you know, the, we keep hearing about efforts to get some type of improvement in the guest worker program for ag and things like that. But so far, they've not been able to get anything through in Congress. Makes you wonder if they would in time to, to help this immediate situation coming this fall. Yeah, we, we think that's highly unlikely. Um, you know, clearly this week there hasn't been a lot of good news on that front. Uh, but even so, this is an industry that doesn't rely as heavily uh, on, on guest workers as, say, the production industry, right? Um, but it might free, free up some additional workers that, that are um, getting pulled into those sectors. So there is kind of a knock-on effect if, if those policies were to be put in place. But, you know, there's very little, you know, in the very short run that can be done uh, to get additional workers into the industry. Uh, which raises the question, you know, what what are these companies going to do? Um, you know, one answer is is essentially pay more and try to get them from the next plant, uh, compete with your with your neighbor. And and to me, that really doesn't solve the problem. It just kind of pushes it <laughs> to the next guy. 
so, so it's going to be a really, really tough fall. Um, it's something the industry just has to work through and, and be really diligent about uh, in front of this big you know, pig supply. And we have seen in other areas of agriculture, Christine, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, field work, harvesting, uh, say, in California or other places with fruits, vegetables, things like that. Even if you offer more money, that doesn't always attract the workers you need. That could be the case here, too. That, that's certainly what we've seen. You know, we did a lot of work in front of this report, and effectively, you know, raising wages 10, 20, 30 percent has had very little impact. Um, especially lasting impact. It might get you a guy for the short run, but in general, the, the workers really want, need to have a, a good work environment, um, and I think that's, a, that's an area that the industry really needs to focus on, you know, reinvesting in the workers, whether or not it's you know, upgrading the facilities so they have a better work environment, um, providing better benefits like childcare, or you know, even, as you mentioned, investing in the community, um, where your operation, you know, is, resides, you know, investing in the schools or the churches, things that your workers are going to appreciate and, and keep that uh, labor supply there in your local environment. And I think, as you said, this is a story that kind of goes uh, underreported, not talked about near enough. We, it's almost like we take for granted uh, that if we produce, uh, in this case, uh, livestock, that there'll be the processing uh, facilities uh, that can handle it. Uh, they may handle it, but not on a as timely basis as the producer wants or needs. Right, and in, in this case, because of the the you know big bulge in, in pig supplies coming this fall, it's going to be you know critical for the industry to be able to work those plants efficiently, and and this labor issue really could be the limiting factor. So. You know, we'll see this fall how it plays out, but it's it's clearly not getting better with the addition of nine new plants in the poultry industry here in the next year, uh, you know, year to year and a half that is going to keep this issue at the top of, of the radar for most of uh, most of the operators in this industry. And we say this fall, that sounds like a ways away, but as I mentioned earlier, all of a sudden it's August and you realize how quickly time's going by here. <laughs> Yeah, it's one that I think, you know, the industry really doesn't need right now, given everything that, um, you know, it's facing. It's going to make things very, very tough for, for the packers and, and the producers. You know, we've we've had a number of producers mention, you know, they're having a tough time with farm labor. So, you know, this is something that hits everyone, uh, whether or not it's a producer, a packer, you know, even the drivers. You know, there's a shortage of drivers right now. Retailers are having a tough time. So this, it's really a, a national issue that has to come to the forefront um, as the, you know, in terms of finding a, a real solution that's going to work for everyone. All right, Christine, thanks for calling it to our attention. We appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks. Christine McCracken, Animal Protein Analyst with Robo Research. Lots of issues to talk about with our next guest. We'll get a Washington update from Kansas Senator Jerry Moran next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, 
don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The big debate in the world of soybeans is whether demand from other countries can replace China if that country stays away from the U.S. market as it's currently doing due to the ongoing U.S.-Chinese trade dispute. China's government warning Wednesday it will retaliate if Washington imposes new trade penalties following a report the Trump administration could propose increasing the tariff rate on an additional $200 billion worth of Chinese imports. November soybeans rocketing through resistance yesterday to the best close since June 19th. We etched out big gains on the daily charts. The November soybean contract is testing resistance at 9.20 and a half, the high from June 25th. The market exceeding that level intraday on Tuesday, but we did not close above it. On this Wednesday, an hour into the trading day, we're 14 and a fraction lower in soybeans, November hovering around 904 and a half. December corn soared to its best close since June 15th yesterday. The near-term trend is bullish, but we are flat on this Wednesday. December corn is within striking distance of 389 and three quarters. That would be the 50% retracement of the May 24th through July 12th sell-off. In wheat futures, we continue with a firm footing. Minneapolis September up a half dozen, 612 and a quarter. Chicago wheat a dime better, 10 to 11 better in Kansas City wheat. For livestock at the Merck, feeder cattle futures recovering after triple-digit losses on Tuesday. A dime to 35 cents higher, dime to 35 better in live cattle. We're waiting for cash cattle activity in the central and southern plains. Lean hog futures, a mix in the most active contracts, October, December, about 20 cents on either side of steady. The Dow is up 43. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Always good to talk with Kansas Senator Jerry Moran, who joins us now. Senator, thanks for being with us. Mike, it's always good to talk to Mike Adams as well. Thank you. 
I appreciate your time. Hey, we just we just in our last segment we were just getting an update from uh, the folks at Rabo Research about a potential processing bottleneck coming this fall. That we do not have a, the labor force we need to work the processing plants uh, for our livestock industry, which brings to you know a, more attention to the bigger issue of the immigration issue, the guest worker program, uh, the ag labor situation. Are we any closer to getting some resolution, some uh, some help, some improvement on that? Well, it's hard to see. I mean, the, the level of success that we've had on this topic uh, is uh, is minimal at best, uh, and it doesn't seem that there is significant movement. My hope had been, and I still think this is a, the possibility, is that the DACA issue uh, needs to be addressed, uh, particularly addressed uh, once court decisions uh, have taken place, but in my view should be addressed, should have been addressed in the past and should be addressed at the first uh, opportunity we can have for success and that would allow us to bring in some other immigration issues. And one of the challenges we've had is that there are those in Washington who insist on comprehensive immigration, uh, and many agricultural groups uh, lobbied for comprehensive immigration legislation a, a number of years ago. My view is that there are not votes uh, yet for comprehensive plan, and uh, it would require uh, negotiations with the White House, uh, which needs to take place. But we ought to be able to deal with some of the immigration issues that there is broader support for. Uh, and agricultural workers, both seasonal and, and, uh, and more permanent, uh, are, are ones that I think you could get 60 votes in the United States Senate for. And that's an immigration issue that, that would have greater, broader support than other immigration plans, and particularly an immigration plan that covers everything. Yeah, it is frustrating. It seems like, and I, I use this saying a lot, but it seems like we fail to do something because we can't do everything. And, and, and every time we try to address a certain area of this, it gets bogged down in the overall bigger picture, and so nothing gets done, it seems like. I think there's a series of, of immigration issues that, that could be addressed and would have uh, broad enough support to get 60 votes in the United States Senate. Uh, as I say, agricultural workers is one of them. Uh, H-1, H-2B visas. Uh, you know, every every January I get call from, from custom cutters in Kansas who are looking for visas in order to get their workers here. And it, it used to be when I was a kid, high school kids worked wheat harvest from Texas to North Dakota. It was a summer job. It doesn't happen that way. And we are importing laborers from Ireland, from South Africa, to do custom work. But every year, it's a challenge to get the visas approved for those people to cut wheat. So while we often think of this agricultural worker issue as maybe something that is specialty crop, California, fruits and vegetables, uh, it's an issue in wheat harvest at home in Kansas. And this is the topic of conversation every time I meet with my livestock producers uh, and my dairymen. Uh, the ability to, to continue to grow in Kansas in, in agriculture, particularly livestock agriculture, is dependent upon a workforce that doesn't, outside of immigration, doesn't otherwise exist. And every once in a while, a Kansan will, I mean, there are people who disagree with me uh, on this issue, and they'll say if businesses just paid more money, Americans would do these jobs. And I don't see that there's any evidence that that's, that's the case. We don't raise our kids uh, to work in a packing plant or a, a dairy or on a, in a feed yard. So this is a significant challenge, and it, more and more immigration issues have become rural and agricultural issues, 
uh, something different than it was when I first came to Congress. And when you're talking about immigration, it wasn't something necessarily that folks uh, in agriculture were, were fully engaged in. We're talking with Kansas Senator Jerry Moran. You've had some uh, comments and uh, you've expressed your views and I think some frustrations at times uh, with uh, the administration's trade policies and the impact on agriculture. Share those with us. Well, I recognize that uh, Kansas in particular, but it's true in most and many places in the country, we earn our living in our state by what we export, what we sell around the globe. Uh, and, for example, uh, if you just wanted to, to uh, feed Americans, that would be what 48% of acres of wheat do you not plant and you do not harvest in Kansas. Uh, and so I have encouraged the administration for a long time now to uh, strike a deal in regard to NAFTA. Uh, Mexico is our number one purchaser of agriculture commodities in Kansas. Uh, Canada is number two or three, depending upon the year. Uh, and we need, while I'm certainly supportive of uh, trying to get a better updated agreement, uh, we need to make certain that the outcome, the, the, that the goal can't be no agreement at all. And so that's where we, we started, although in addition to that, it's the, I guess it's the agreement that we didn't negotiate at all which is TPP, and Kansans, uh, particularly uh, livestock producers, are uh, being closed out of markets because we're not a participant in TPP. And then we've had the tariffs, uh, and unfortunately, uh, in this circumstance, agriculture becomes the place in which China and others retaliate. Uh, we saw this initially with grain sorghum, more recently with uh, soybeans. Soybeans are down $2 a bushel since the tariffs began. And uh, this all comes at a time in which um, agriculture is, is struggling. Uh, commodity prices are low. We've had significant drought across most of our state. And there is, it's time to go to the bank and, and finance. And um, this is a difficult, challenging time and one in which that uh, when, we, when we preclude markets by uh, either a tariff war or not engaging in agreements, we uh, are causing significant damage. What I what I think is true is, if we're not successful in in resolving these issues in a positive way, this is a generational problem for agriculture. By that I mean, my goal has been to do everything I can to see that young people return or stay on family farms in my state and across the country, uh, and that those decisions are often made by parents and kids based upon what's the financial viability of that farm and this is an issue that will for a long time harm the ability for producers to bring their kids home or to encourage their kids to come home if we don't have these markets and while i know that there's the 12 billion dollar uh, i guess there's not i don't know if there's a plan yet a 12 uh, million dollar billion dollar proposal i don't know the details and we're anxious to hear that but I know there will never be enough money to compensate for loss of markets and lack of trade. And I worry specifically about what happens uh, if we do get our, uh, our tariff battle behind and trade agreements uh, organized uh, and recommitted to, have we lost our markets? Uh, have other countries where, who are, are currently buying from the United States agricultural commodities have they found a different market and are reluctant to return? We've spent millions of dollars and tremendous efforts by 
farm groups and the government to get into markets around the globe and once you lose them for my for my our rural listeners which i assume are a, a significant portion of our audience the way i describe this i've been involved in lots of rural towns and we struggle to keep a doctor and we lose a doctor and the the patients begin going to some other place the the regional city down the road and finally when we get a doctor recruited to come to our smaller town then do we ever get our patients back and it is a struggle and it would be the same thing here as countries have found other suppliers will they come back to the united states when this tariff and and negotiations over trade agreements uh, have been concluded so lots of challenges and I, I suppose the thing to highlight is we had Ambassador Lighthizer before a, a, a committee that I chair last week. And I suppose the piece of good news that comes from that is he indicated that the expectation is that we will negotiate an agreement with the current administration of Mexico regarding NAFTA. And in order to do that, that, that would have to be concluded by August. And that, that month begins today. So the news, I think, that comes from that Lighthizer hearing is that it is certainly possible there is an agreement between the United States and Mexico in August, and then the thought was that that would then help force an agreement with Canada. Mm-hmm. Hey, real quick, uh, just a minute to go here before we let you go. You're very involved in appropriations. Uh, what should we be watching there? Uh, appropriations is at work. Uh, and in fact, the agricultural appropriation bill is on the Senate floor today. It is expected to pass uh, later today. Uh, and uh, But the focus is, and I guess there's a piece of news, too. I was on the Senate floor last night and uh, made the motion for the farm bill to go to conference. That motion was adopted. The House has already approved that procedure. And so the, while we have the appropriation, agricultural appropriation bill on the floor, Last night, the decision was made to appoint conferees, which should take place today, and we'll have the negotiations between the House and Senate, the differences between uh, the two bills. And real quick, uh, you've introduced an amendment to maintain Amtrak train service uh, along uh, the uh, rail route of the Southwest Chief. Mike, thanks. Uh, It is uh, an important uh, line that goes through Kansas, but it's the line that goes from Chicago to Los Angeles, uh, southwest across the United States. And Amtrak uh, had committed to uh, invest in uh, improving the rail line and uh, reneged on their commitment and then uh, indicated that the likely outcome was uh, that they would have a bus line from Dodge City, Kansas to Albuquerque. So you'd get off the train, get on a bus, and go 400 miles. That is the demise of long-distance passenger train service. And today's appropriation bill on transportation will include an amendment that provides the money for the upgrading of the of the line, uh, and requires the Amtrak to make their contribution and prohibits them from a, from replacing train service with bus service. So, assuming that that amendment uh, is is adopted on final passage, uh, we have uh, provided money and instructions to Amtrak that long distance passenger train service is important Good. to the country. Mike, I also would say I had a town hall meeting on Monday I as I came go. back to D.C. at the Agricultural Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah, great. So I was in your, in your former neighborhood. A lot of fond memories there. Thank you, Senator. Good to talk with you again. Kansas Senator you, Jerry Moran. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit? 
low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We want to get some uh, perspective on a lot of the issues we are discussing uh, today with, from former Secretary of Agriculture, former Nebraska Senator Mike Johans. Mr. Secretary, good to talk to you again. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. Hey, we just had one of your former colleagues on. We were just talking with Senator Moran from Kansas, and, and we've been talking about this issue of ag labor uh, earlier in the program, we talked about there's a potential processing bottleneck coming this fall because we don't have the workers to work in uh, some of our processing plants. We know it's a big issue for agriculture in general, but yet it seems like we can't get uh, the guest worker program fixed and some things like that because it gets bogged down in the bigger immigration debate in this country. He, uh, Senator Moran said if, if we could, they could just vote on some of the ag labor issues, he thinks there's enough votes to get them passed. But it's it, it's just frustrating that we can't break through on this issue. Yeah, and uh, I'm not very optimistic that there will be a breakthrough. You know, there's I'm sure there's some temptation to look at whether you could attach something to the farm bill, but I don't think people want to risk the passage of the farm bill over that issue. And and literally, I think you would be putting it at risk. So uh, immigration is one of the top issues in terms of just very, very difficult to get much done on immigration. It's very difficult. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that have been happening. Uh, we've got these trade issues. We have tariffs. Uh, we know it's hurting agriculture. The, the administration announces a $12 billion aid plan. Still waiting to see how that's going to work, and we know that's not enough to cover the losses that are going on, especially if this drags out. Uh, these are pretty uh, uh, stressful times for agriculture right now. It's a tough time. It was a tough time before we started getting involved in the trade battles, and uh, it definitely hasn't improved the situation. In fact, prices have gone south pretty significantly. My impression as I'm out in the country and talking to farmers and ranchers, though, is that they're they're still with Trump. They're still saying, look, something had to be done. Uh, but they are hoping and praying that something is done quickly. Uh, uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that there's $12 billion out there, but spread around sounds like a lot of money. It will help some. But in the end, really, farmers have said for years and years, we don't want to farm for a program. We don't want to farm for the government. We want to farm for price. And 
trade is a piece of that puzzle. So when you're talking to farmers, and I, I hear the same thing, that they're still hopeful that this is these things are going to work out, um, but do you... What do you hear from them about that aid package? Are they saying thanks, but that we need more than that, or thanks, we need trade, not aid? What What are you hearing from farmers? Uh, to just summarize it, what they're saying about the uh, the twelve billion dollars is uh, we uh, we appreciate the thought of the administration, uh, but if we had our druthers, we would not accept the twelve billion. We would we would farm for the marketplace and that's what farmers want to do now in the end uh if prices are still where they're at today which is below the cost of production anything is going to help and they will be appreciative of that but this is not where farmers want to be uh they want to be uh fighting in the marketplace fighting for foreign trade opportunities all of those things because Fundamentally, they believe they cannot compete anybody in the world, and they can, given a level playing field. That's why I think they're they're giving Trump the benefit of the doubt. They're saying, "Look, uh, the level the level playing field has not been there in many parts of the world, and that needs to be straightened out." So, you know, hang in there is kind of what they're saying. But uh, hopefully, uh, uh, discussions are occurring, and this will get resolved. It was. There was some encouraging news yesterday that China and the United States, they're talking. I do think they're making progress with Mexico. Uh, Canada is not as far along as Mexico. So there are things happening that I, I offer a glimmer of hope out there, and my, my hope is there's a breakthrough. Mike, I would say this. I think once there's a breakthrough on, on these trade issues, and I do believe it will happen, you'll see prices come back. Um, I, I do think you'll see the price of corn come back. I think you'll see soybean, soybean strengthen. We did have some price improvement, as you know, a couple of months ago. So uh, farmers were out there uh, uh, contracting and, and selling corn uh, futures. And so um, they've been hedging, and they've been through this before. And so when they saw a stronger price, a lot of folks were out there hedging. We've heard some members of Congress say they want more say in trade policies. Do you think that'll happen? Do you think that's a good idea? Uh, what are your thoughts on that as a former senator? Well, you know, as a senator, you w- want more to say about it. Uh, if you're in the White House, and I, I did both of those jobs, you know, as Secretary of Agriculture, you, know, you want to have great leeway in, in doing the right thing for trade. So, um it's, it's hard to get 100 senators to agree on a, on a trade approach. So uh, if you're in the administration, you're saying, look, we'll, we'll handle this. I don't think, Mike, much is going to happen there. I think it gets attention and, and some headlines. But I think at the end of the day, I do think President Trump is going to be given the ability to work through this and, and come up with a better trade deal than we have now um, through China, NAFTA, et cetera. A lot of political saber rattling. Hey, just uh, just a minute left. What, what are your thoughts on the farm bill process? Uh, I'm optimistic about the farm bill. I, it's, it's going to go to conference. Uh, the Senate will send it over there. House has already taken action. I think it's going to look more like the Senate version, uh, and I think it needs a bipartisan vote in the House to get done. 
Uh, it's got a lot of votes in the Senate, as we saw. So I'm optimistic. I think we'll have a compromise bill. I do think it'll look more like the Senate version, and in the end, it will get bipartisan votes and get passed. All right. Good to talk with you again. Always appreciate your perspective. Thank you, sir. You bet. You take care. You too. Former Secretary of Agriculture, former Senator from Nebraska, Mike Johans. All right. Thanks for joining us on today's program. Tomorrow we'll keep you up to date on what's going on with trade and farm bills, some other things going on in agriculture as well, some technology issues we want to address. Lots going on. We'll keep you up to date by tuning in to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone.